Welcome to King of Glory Lutheran Church Education Podcast. We are a Christian community of faith located in Williamsburg, Virginia. For more information, please visit us on the web at kogva.org. I heard um, Pastor Seltzer was supposed to teach this class. Um, his daughter Gwen up in Maryland um, had a herniated disc and wasn't able to walk or move or do whatever she needed to do. So he had spent the, the he, didn't, he spent the week up there with her and um, he uh, didn't know when he was going to get back. So he asked if I would do this. Uh, so he's doing one at the end of the he's doing one at the end of the month. And then uh, we had planned all is, are we on? Yeah. Oh, I don't. I won't say what I'm going to say. <laughs> <laughs> then you shouldn't have said it anyway. No. John's daughter is doing a whole lot. Is doing a whole lot better, and um, and um, and he'll be he'll be teaching at the um, at the end of the at the end of the month. The um, the course is entitled "The Road to Coronation." And, and I'm not sure people quite understand um, what this is all about. If you think in terms of what was the high point of Jesus' life, what would you say? Transfiguration. Transfiguration? Resurrection. 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 The truth of the matter is, probably the high point of Jesus' life was his suffering and death on the cross. Now, you don't think about that. Why did Jesus come? He came to give his life as a ransom for many. That was his goal. That was the reason he came. And when you accomplish your goal, um, when you accomplish your reason for being, that is the apex of your, of your life. Um, you know, in the cross of Christ thy glory, that's, that's when Jesus reaches the, the, the glory of his life. Now, the resurrection, of course, we, we celebrate and all, and, but we're thankful for the cross. That is what we are thankful um, for, that he, he died on the cross for our, our sins. And when you read the Gospel of John, particularly, and, and that'll be one of the last lessons, and I think Pastor Stano was teaching that, um, the, gospel of, the Gospel of John, when it describes the crucifixion, there's, there's, nothing, there's nothing gory, there is no blood, there is nothing. It is, it is Christ is glorified on the cross. Um, John makes that very, very clear. So that's the title of, the title of, this, of this course. Um, so we're going to begin today. Let's um, begin first of all with a word of with a word of prayer as we consider Jesus the long-awaited Messiah. We pray, Heavenly Father, we do give you thanks and, and praise for the for the many many blessings that we that we have. I pray that our eyes are indeed opened to be able to see you as as the one who who came to give his life as a ransom for many. Be with us this morning. Be with me as I teach in our classes we share. As we share about the Messiah we know, 
as the Lord and Savior of our life. We pray in his name. Amen. Amen. Okay. Um, this guy's been trying to reach me all weekend. He has a camera he wants to sell me. So, hold on a second. <laughs> Hello? Yeah? I, you're going to be Merchant Square? There's going to be a lot of people down there. How am I going to recognize you? You'll have the camera around your neck. Well, you know, there's a lot of tourists down there, and a lot of them that have cameras around their neck. Oh, you're also, you have white tennis shoes. Yeah. I don't think that's going to do it. Can you give me some more hints? You're going to wear a baseball cap with a Yankee insignia on it. You know, we have a lot of people from New York down here. Um, I, I'm not sure I'm going to be able to recognize you. Oh, you're going to have jeans? And a white sport jacket. Okay, if I got this straight, with, in the crowd that's down there, if I see somebody with a camera around their neck, White tennis shoes, blue jeans, and a white sport jacket. That'll be you. All right. I'll, I'll look for you around 2 o'clock at Merchant Square. <laughs> Think I'll find him? With those clues? A guy wearing a Yankee baseball cap, camera around his neck, White tennis shoes, blue jeans, white sport jacket. Would I recognize them? I think you put them all together. Yeah. Yeah. Put them all together. Yeah. What if we added, I'm going to wear a, I'm going to have a, Barry said, I'll be walking a dog. That's not going to narrow it down at all. What if we say, oh, he's going to have a, I'll have a red carnation in the lapel of my white sports jacket. That would help. That would, that would, that would surely, that would surely do it. If you put them all together, and you I'll may... I'll meet you at the peanut shop, and then what? I could, and I'll meet you at the peanut shop, and that'd make it very easy. <laughs> I don't want to make it that easy. Well, yeah, if you put all of those, all of those clues together... You would probably find the person who you were trying to search for eventually. You know, eventually, a guy wearing a Yankee baseball cap, white jacket, blue jeans, camera. Again, the the giveaway would be the white uh, or the, a, a red carnation in your lapel and all. Um, the question that we're going to try to answer this morning is: Should Jesus? have been recognized as the Messiah? Um, were there enough clues to, I'm going to say, give him away to, so that people would recognize him as, you know, as, as, the, as the Messiah? Um, last week, um, 
Pastor Kringle said a, just said a number of, of different things. He, he, he pointed out to lots of the Old Testament prophecies that talked about the Messiah. But one of the points that he made was that when people heard these prophecies or read these prophecies, um, they wouldn't necessarily have identified them as things that were going to take place in the future sometime. That, for, you know, for example, um, you know, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son. Um, he, Pastor Kringle, Kringle said that could be very well understood by the people of his day, of, of, of that day, 700 years before Jesus was even born, as something that was going to happen um, in the context of the Assyrian, Babylonian um, dealings with, you know, with Israel. That it, you wouldn't necessarily, the people, of, the people who heard those, so many of those prophecies, or so many of those sayings, or whatever you want to call them at this point in time, that they could really have been identified with um, present, their present day situation and wouldn't have thought of them as something that was going to happen way in the, you know, in the, you know, in the, in the future in terms of what the Messiah would be like or what, you know, or, or what the Messiah would, would do. The other thing that um, <coughs> Pastor emphasized um, last week was that there were Mis, I'm going to say misunderstandings or perhaps not clear, real clear in the scriptures in terms of um, what the role of the Messiah would, would be, what the Messiah was going to do. Um, many people thought that some of the Old Testament prophecies were picturing the Messiah as a David, as a David king. That, that when the Messiah came, there would be that the Messiah would be some kind of great conqueror who would restore Israel to the way it was during the reign of King David. During the reign of King David, Israel was at its um, was at its peak. Its borders had been expanded as as far as they had ever been expanded. Um, Israel was a military power. Um, the land was a, was a prosperous land. Everything, I would say, everything was good in, in Israel. And from that point on, Israel had gone downhill in terms of, you know, Assyria, in terms of the Babylonians. They were under the control of the Persians. They were under the control of the Greeks. During, during Jesus' day, they were under the control of, the, of, of Rome. And so many had this picture of the Messiah as being some kind of an, a human conqueror, another King David, who would, um, you know, again, make Israel, restore Israel's um, uh, greatness as it was under, under King David a thousand years, you know, a thousand years earlier. There was also a misunderstanding in terms of, was this Messiah going to be just perhaps another human being like a king, like King David? Or was the Messiah going to be um, a divine human type, type figure? Because that would be the only one who could really do what they, you know, they were hoping. So there were lots of, um, I'm going to say lots of thoughts, lots of... 
um, you know, misunderstandings, lots of confusion in terms of, you know, what were the what what were the messianic prophecies all about, and what were they, what kind of future were they were they predicting? What kind of Messiah would this would um, would this be? And so we come to um, Mark chapter eight, um, Mark chapter eight, verse verse twenty seven, and it's a and it's a it is a um, a portion of scripture that you're all familiar with, and let me put it in let me put it in this context. Um, this Mark chapter eight verse what is it, verse thirty seven twenty seven twenty seven um, takes place at the at the end of Jesus's at the end of Jesus's ministry. Um, it's before he heads to Jerusalem. And basically what he is asking is this. He is saying to, he's asking the disciples, he said, I have spent three years in ministry. And we're going to be looking at the things that he did and the things that he said. I have spent three years in ministry with the, the people. I have done this. I have said this. Do the people understand who I am? Do the people understand, um, and, and the question they ask is, who do people say that I am? Have they, gotten the, no, have they gotten the message that I am the Messiah? And we're going to look at the reasons why Jesus is asking that, asking that question. And the response is, no. Basically, that's no. They apparently didn't get the message. Some saying you're another prophet, you're another teacher, but they haven't gotten the idea that you are fulfilling, or that you are the, that you are the Messiah. Um, that always gave me gave me comfort. Jesus spent three years with people, and they didn't understand what it was all about. I would spend three years with my confirmation classes, <laughs> two days a week. At the end of two years with them, I wonder how much they understood too. But Jesus didn't bake it either, so I figured <laughs> that's okay. All right. So let's look at some of the things that... Um, the Old Testament, the Old Testament said um, some of the things that Jesus said, um, and basically, did Jesus give them enough clues, or does the Old Testament give them enough clues so that they would have seen him as the Messiah? Would they have recognized him at Merchant Square, wanting to sell a camera? Um, were there enough clues there for them to get the you know get the message? Um, Want to want to say this then? Um, there there were there were things that you're that you are real familiar with. Yes, the Old Testament says, "Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son." Um, we know that is. What is reported in the in the New Testament that um, that 
Jesus was born of was born of, of Mary through the power of the Holy of the Holy Spirit. We know in the Old Testament it says that when the Messiah is, when the Messiah comes, he is going to be born in Bethlehem. We know that's indeed what you know what happened um, with what happened with Jesus. Um, the Old Testament says that the Messiah indeed will um, be a descendant of, of David. Um, we know from the New Testament that Jesus was indeed a, a descendant of, of David. Now those are things that we can look back on, um, kind of reaffirming the fact that Jesus was Messiah. I think that's for our benefit. I, I'm not sure um, all of the people that Jesus ministered to um, during his three years of ministry um, would have realized that he was born of a virgin, that he was born in Bethlehem. Um, that he was a descendant of, of David. Now he very well may have said that to them. I don't, you know, I don't know. But that probably wasn't um, the the message of his of his three year ministry. But we look back on it. Um, well, the Bethlehem and descendant of David are kind of like the camera around the neck. There's a lot of people that were born in Bethlehem. And That's correct. Of but not David. many born of a virgin. But who knew? How did they know? I know. Well, that's How would they know that? That's correct. Uh, um, at that time, that Mary had been a virgin. That. So I agree with you. Well, you wonder if John maybe told them. Didn't, didn't seem like the disciples. I wonder if you laid it out. Well, okay. And the lady. Because you don't hear. What was I'm sorry. I'm, no, no, go ahead. I'm just saying, we wonder how much John, you know, as the poor person, had told them, like if he had been able to put two and two together okay. for them or not. All right. Um, let's well, let's get into let's get into John, and we we do. So I'm going to say a lot of I'm going to say a lot of this, or, or I'm going to say some of this, is for the benefit of us who have the who have the gift of being able to look back right, on the life of on, on the life of Christ. Hindsight is one. Yeah, sure. But let's look in terms of um, if somebody would look at Malachi Malachi 3 verse verse 1. Um, here in the last book of the Old Testament, um, Malachi talks about um, who is going to be the forerunner of the Messiah. If somebody, if somebody would just read that just for a quick. Three one. Yeah. Okay. Um, behold, I send my messenger, and he will prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple, and the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight, behold. He is coming, says the Lord of hosts. Okay, and then um, verse 5 of, of, of chapter 4. Of Malachi? Yeah, of Malachi. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. And he will turn the hearts of fathers yeah. to the children. Okay, and then what we see then is um, Jesus, Jesus talks about that that there was going to be somebody who was going to be announcing and preparing the way for the coming of the Messiah. Um, uh, Malachi says it's going to be Elijah. 
who is going to be the one who prepares the way for the coming Messiah. And then when Jesus, and, and what we're talking about here, again, for us, it's John the Baptist. Um, and Jesus, Jesus, what he does is, is points um, to that. If you look in Matthew 11, verse... This is what Jesus says about John the Baptist. Um, as John's disciple, verses, uh, this is chapter 11 of Matthew, verse 7. As John's disciples were leaving, Jesus began to speak to the crowd about John. What did you go out into the desert to see? A reed swayed by the wind? If not, what did you go out to see? A man dressed in fine clothes? No, those who wear the clothes um, are kings and palaces. What then did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, but more than a prophet. This is the one about whom it is written. I will send my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare your way before you. Um, and then John, uh, Jesus begins to talk a little bit more about, about um, John. Um, so what Jesus is saying is that, that there was to be a messenger and Elijah who was going to go ahead of the Messiah and to announce his coming into the world. And we know that that's what John did. Um, John announced, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Um, we also know that some of John's disciples you know, went to Jesus after he was, was baptized. And Jesus spent time with two of those disciples. One of those disciples was Andrew. And Andrew then goes to his brother Peter and says, Peter, we have found the Messiah. So in that little short Bible study that Jesus had with Andrew, um, he obviously must have, I'm going to say, told Andrew that I am indeed the one who is who was announced by, you know, uh, who was announced by you know, by John. Um, so we, so we, see, we see that as, as the beginning. Um, again, this whole, for those of you who are familiar with um, uh, Jewish Passover, when, when Jewish folks celebrate the Passover, they always have a, an empty chair at the Passover meal, the Passover table, and it's Elijah's chair. And they're still waiting for the Messiah to come, and they know the Messiah isn't going to come until Elijah comes. So they're they're familiar with that Old Testament, <laughs> that Old Testament passage and that Old Testament um, prophecy. Um, Jesus says John the Baptist was that Elijah that was going to foretell and and usher in the the messianic the messianic age uh, there. So that's 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 one part. Um, let's look at it, just look at another at another part. Um, go to Luke chapter four. And what we what what I wanted what I'm trying to do here is to put together the clues. The you know the baseball cap, the white um, <laughs> the white sneakers, the denim, the white jacket, the camera around the neck, and and, and such. I want to put together these, these clues that the scriptures um, give to us. So Luke chapter 4, um, 
starting in verse 14 or verse 16. What I want to say here to, you know, to begin with, it was a very common practice in synagogues that when there was a visiting rabbi who would come to the synagogue, to, to the gathering of people, the, the visiting rabbi would be offered the opportunity to um, read, the, read the Old Testament, read the scrolls, um, share a message or whatever. I think we would be hesitant to do that here at King of Glory. <laughs> if there was a pastor who was in the congregation and we didn't know, and Pastor Harmon didn't have a clue who he was, would you like to give the sermon today? <laughs> who knows what that message would be. But, um, but this would have been a very common practice in the, you know, in the synagogue of, of Jesus' of Jesus's day. And Can so, I ask you something? Yeah. Um, how did you get to be a rabbi? I don't know. You were a teacher. I don't know. You, uh, you didn't get ordained like or... or you went go to seminary. A, no, 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 you didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Jesus... Um, now... To tell you the truth, I don't know. Okay. I don't know. Sorry, I should have asked. Claire, yeah, I'm saying to myself, I got to go home and do some research. So, yeah, that's okay. a good question. I'm saying. Now, you know, now like Paul, you know, studied under Gamaliel. I wonder. Jesus didn't. Jesus. We don't know that he studied under. Right, anybody. but he was called a teacher, someone who taught with authority. I, okay. Maybe like reading the law. Maybe you. <laughs> but how did you get to become a Bible study teacher this morning? <laughs> but even, even as a child, when he wandered away from his parents, parents yeah. they found him in the synagogue. He was a, amazing yeah. everybody with his knowledge. So I don't know. If, I don't know if it was a. Was it just that a person attracted? I mean, I, I don't know. I'm embarrassed that we don't know. Yeah. It's such a good question. Good. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, you're, so anyway. you're teaching next week, right? You have the answer. Okay. <laughs> All right, we have, so Jesus is in Nazareth. And he went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. He stood up to read. The scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written. And where it is written, I think I have it here, is in um, yeah, um, Isaiah 61. So... What, is, what he's reading is exactly from Isaiah chapter 61, verse 1. Jesus reads this, and he says, as he's reading the scroll, it says, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, and recovery for the sight of the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were, fast, were fastened on him. And he began by saying to them, Today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. So what Jesus is basically saying is, What I have just read to you, that's me. That's written about, you know, that's written about me. That's perhaps the white 
tennis shoes. Um, you know, we'll, again, I just want to build on, on some, of, on some of, of these things. There's another interesting, an interesting place. Um, Matthew, again, go to Matthew chapter 11. And this is, to me, this is one of the most, one of the most telling, um, telling things or, or telling in, instances. The red carnation. Yeah, this is the red carnation. <laughs> the Old Testament made it very clear what the Messiah would do. Um, what the Messiah's ministry was all about, and and what you know what would happen in this messianic messianic ministry when the Messiah came, these things would happen. This is a situation where John is in prison, and um, John is John is in prison, and the and John sends his disciples to Jesus. With the question, are you the one who was to come, or should we expect someone else? And basically the question is, are you the Messiah, or should we be looking for somebody else? Now, this is always a confusing part of Scripture. I think John the Baptist knew, because he, earlier at the beginning of Jesus' ministry, said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. I'm, I'm assuming... I make the assumption that John knew for sure. So I don't he, think you can make that assumption. <laughs> I am making that assumption. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the rabbi. I'm not teaching. <laughs> no, because the reason is it's entire two entirely different environments, and he's you know now he's in prison. Yeah. And, and maybe knows, this question maybe he has Was I wrong? You know, I find it almost more comforting to think that, that he has doubts. doubts. Okay. Yes. Yes. Another way to look at it is that maybe John wanted his disciples to go for themselves to reinforce their, the, John's disciples' recognition of, who, of, whom Jesus, uh, of whom Jesus was. Whichever one you take. This woman over here, or the rabbi? Vote. This is the one of the women, isn't it? <laughs> Are you the one who was to come, or should we expect someone else? That was the question that John's disciples were supposed to ask Jesus. Jesus replied, Go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, the good news is preached to the poor, blessed is the man who does not fall away on account of me. Um, in in um, Isaiah 35, Old Testament, it says very plainly that when the Messiah comes... This is what's going to happen. The lame are going to walk, the blind are going to be, the blind will see, the deaf are going to hear, the dead are going to be raised. Um, that's what the Old Testament says will be, the Messiah will be doing. And so John says, or, or Jesus says, go back and tell John that these are the things that are, that are happening. And John, who knows the Old Testament, can put two and two together and hopefully come to the conclusion that 
yes, you are the one. Um, and we shouldn't be looking, you know, for you know for another. Um, so let's let's stop there in terms of um, uh, I'm going to say the ministry of the ministry of Jesus. The things that he did um, are the things that the Messiah was supposed to have have done. Now there are lots, and I'm going to say there are lots and lots of Old Testament prophecies. Um, there are some biblical scholars who find as many as 400 Old Testament prophecies. I, I, I think you have to stretch it a little bit to find that that you know that many, and perhaps you also have to. I'm going to say we have the benefit of being able to look back on the life of Christ and think in terms of some of those Old Testament prophecies. For example, and whether, I don't know if, you're, if we're stretching it or, or not, but for example, in, in the Old Testament, basically it, it says that when the Messiah comes, the manna is going to fall from heaven. Now, does the feeding of the 5,000... Does that answer that prophecy? I don't, you know, there are scholars who say, yes, it does. It also said, the Old Testament scriptures also say that when the Messiah comes, wine is going to flow. People look at the wedding in Cana and say, well, there, that, you know, that took place. I think a lot of those you know, some of those Old Testament prophecies, I think, were pointing to, you know, the good times are going to be restored. I, you know, I don't want to um, negate, I don't want to negate some of, you know, some of those things. Um, if you look at, for example, the, the Gospel of Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew was written to Jewish people. And one of the one of the um, qualities of Matthew's gospel, time and time again, um, Matthew, Matthew says, when he talks about something, an event in Jesus' life, says, this is to fulfill what the prophet Isaiah said. Um, born of a virgin? Yes, this is to fulfill what the prophet Isaiah said. When Mary and Joseph came out of Egypt, this is to fulfill what the prophet said. And if you go through the Gospel of Matthew, you'll see this time and time and time again. Um, when Jesus spoke in parables, this is to fulfill what the prophet Isaiah said, that when the Messiah came, parables will be spoken. And in Matthew's Gospel, over and over and over and over again, um, Matthew uses that refrain to point Old Testament and, <coughs> and point it point to Jesus. Coronavirus. <coughs> no, 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 I can't. No, that's okay. I'll get it. Um, and, and, and point, you know, and point. Um, <coughs> And point, uh, you know, point to Jesus, um, you know, that, you know, that way. Uh, I lost my train of, my train of thought. 
Let me, I'll just stop, I'll stop with that then and, and, um, and say in, in terms of uh, you know, just so, you know, I'm going to say just you know, so many clues in terms of is Jesus the one who is talked about in the Old, Old Testament. Um, as far as his ministry and mission and the things and the, and the things that he did. Now, no, I, I do want to I do want to say also then what we where we have stopped is at Matthew eight or at um, Mark chapter eight, and this this is just before he is going to be going to Jerusalem to suffer and to suffer and die. There are so many. There are so many Old Testament there are so many Old Testament prophecies about his suffering, death, and crucifixion. The suffering servant um, passages of Isaiah that, that describe what you know that no bone in his body is going to be broken. Um, people are going to scoff. He's going to be whipped, um, and all kinds of things like that. So, so we're not even talking about um, those Old Testament prophecies that we have the benefit of looking back on to reaffirm for us that Jesus is, you know, is Messiah. We're stopping prior, you know, prior to that whole, to that whole um, vast number of Old, Old Testament prophecies about his suffering and, and death. But a couple of other, a couple of, just a couple of other things. Um, some claims that Jesus, that Jesus makes, and I'm going to, the one that just stands out to me is John chapter 10. It's, it's a very... Um, sometimes Jesus says things that I'm going to say we may not understand or even give meaning, give meaning to or... I think to understand what Jesus is saying, we have to um, look to how the people of Jesus' day understood what Jesus is saying, rather than how we might understand what Jesus is saying. I think the people of when when we look at what Jesus, the people of Jesus' day understood his statement, that's much more telling as, than than what we might understand. Let me just read this. Um, John chapter 10, looking at verse 25. Jesus says, I, I did tell you, but you did not believe. The miracles I do in my Father's name speak for me. But you do not believe because you are not my sheep. My sheep listen to my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. No one can snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. Now that's an interesting statement. Um, I and the Father are one. We might view that... I don't know how we, you know, we, we might interpret that in, in a number of, perhaps a number of different ways. That um, God and I are on the same wavelength, and we're kind of, we're kind of together on, on this, 
on this mission. But listen to how it was understood by the people of Jesus' day. When Jesus says, I and the Father am one, again, the Jews picked up stones to stone him. But Jesus said to them, I have shown you many great miracles from the Father for which, um, for which of these do you stone me? Listen to their response. We are not stoning you for any of these miracles, replied the Jews, but we're stoning you for blasphemy because you, a mere man, claim to be God. That's how the Jews of Jesus' day understood what Jesus was saying when he said, I and the Father am one. Um, that's a, I think that's a whole lot more telling than maybe an interpretation we might give to that statement, looking in terms of how it was understood by the people of, the people of Jesus' day. If you look um, in John chapter 5, verses 16 and 18, again, looking in terms of, of um, John 5, verse 16. So because Jesus, I'm in John chapter 5, verse, um, verse 16. So because Jesus was doing these things on the Sabbath, the Jews persecuted him. And Jesus said to them, My father is always at his work to this very day, and I too am working. For this reason, the Jews tried all the harder to kill him. <coughs> Not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. Um, yeah, that's how they understood what Jesus, what Jesus was, was doing. And then, just to pick up the next little... The next but that Sean 858 is good, too. Is it? Yeah. Um, and we're there. So. Okay, go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> Sean 858, and it's short. Very truly, I tell you, Jesus answered... Before Abraham was born, I am. At this they picked up stones to stone him, but Jesus hid himself. Um, that, that was the name God called himself in the Old oh, Testament. Testament. Yeah. I am. Yeah. Yeah. I, am. So, I am. You know, when, uh, when Moses was confronted by God at the burning bush, you know, I am, you know, who are you? I am who I am. Well, obviously, the Jews understood what he yes, was saying. Yes, they were understood, yeah, what Jesus was saying, what Jesus was saying there. And then just the, the miracles that Jesus performed. Um, in 1 Samuel 2, it, it says that God is the one who can raise, raise the dead. And we see a number of instances in the, you know, in the New Testament, the, Mark, uh, the Luke chapter 7 there, um, I believe that's the raising of the widow's son's name, that, that Jesus raised the dead, doing something that God could do, or that, that only God could do. The Isaiah 43 passage talks about God is the one who can forgive sins. And then we see Jesus in his ministry 
forgiving the sins of um, individu individuals. And that, again, just was, what are you doing? Only God can forgive sins. And Jesus is, is in effect saying that I am God because I have the power to forgive I have the power to forgive sins. The, um, the, the Psalm 89.9, it's just kind of an, an intri interesting one. Um, the Jews were, now except, now we talk about the fishermen, that's a whole other difference on the Sea of Galilee, but by and large, Jews were not seafaring people. Um, the Jews were afraid of the water, in fact. Um, again, except for those fishermen up there in the Sea of up, at the, up there in the Sea of Galilee. But notice what the psalmist, what the psalmist says in um, 89.9. And again, it talks about... Um, the, the psalmist is, is, is talking about God in, in, verse, in verse 9. Talking about God, and, and, and the psalmist says, You, God, you rule over the surging sea. When its waves mount up, you are the one who stills them. And then in Psalm 107, um, in 107, verse, verse 29, again, the psalmist talks about God. He stilled the storm to a whisper. The waves of the sea were hushed. They were glad when it grew calm, and he guided them to their desired haven. Um, when Jesus showed his power over, I'm going to say over nature, when Jesus stills the storm, when Jesus calms the, um, calms the waves and stops, and stops the wind blowing, he is showing the power that, that God has over, you know, over nature. Um, and doing the things that, that God does. That just absolutely you know, blew the disciples away. Who is this who has the power to make the waves cease and the, and the, winds, you know, and the winds stop? So what I, I guess a point that I, that I wanted to make today is I wanted to put all these clues together. Um, did the general population have enough clues as to recognize that Jesus was the Messiah. And again, I think maybe we have the benefit of being able to look back, obviously. Um, but apparently the message didn't get through completely to the to the people. Um, and, and I think this is what this was a a concern of was it was a concern of Jesus. I'm going in the next weeks. I'm going to Jerusalem, and there I am going to suffer and die on the cross. I have spent three years in ministry. You have seen me do all the things the Old Testament says the Messiah will do. You've heard me say things. Um, do you recognize that I am the Messiah? And the disciples basically say, no. No. Um, but Peter doesn't say Peter, yeah. But 
we're going to get to Peter next week. Um, and, and yes, there's that wonderful thing. But Peter, what, who do you say that I am? Now, maybe Peter listened in Bible study and didn't fall asleep. Um, he says, you are the Christ. You are the Messiah. Yeah. The, the thing that... We've gone through this. I'm going to go right back to the first one we read, that Mark 8, 27. And he asked who they who do they think I am, and we have all these signs. And then at the end of the discussion, in 30, he says, and he strictly charged them to tell no one about him. Why would why would you do... I don't understand. Which one? Um, who, who did he tell? He was telling Peter and those with him. But then, then he later tells them to go out and yeah. give the good news. So I don't understand. I don't, I don't know either. Um, you know, some people say that Uh, it happened. Was Jesus sure that number one they had the message straight? I'm not sure about that. Um, was was he sure the message was going to be was was the message going to be straight? Um, was, G- were, was Jesus concerned that they were going to make him a, a, a red king? Or they, that, that, that's what they wanted, that they, they were going to elevate or try to make him something that he did not come to be. And we're going to see that you know, next week, particularly. You know, I, I say message straight. To this day, I, my, my first church was in a three-car garage. And um, I remember, as a young pastor, preaching a, stu- a stewardship sermon. I guess I always preach stewardship sermons. Um, preaching a stewardship sermon. And I must have said 50 times, and that's a hyperbole, but I must have said it over and over and over and over again, that what God wants is our heart. And when God has our heart, the rest of our life will flow from it. Our giving, our serving, our... That was... I don't know, I, I don't know how many times I emphasize that. Shaking hands with people after church, one lady came up, to me, shook my hand and said, I don't come to church to hear about me giving money. I'm, what? <laughs> um, I never want to hear about me giving money. That's all you talk about in the sermon. And I wonder if Jesus was concerned that, I know I've said all of this, and what message is going to go out there and, and, <laughs> yeah. and be proclaimed, you know? You know, I, I don't know, to this day, I, I don't know where she got that idea. Maybe that was... I, <clears throat> As I said, I must have said it 40 times in the sermon. What God wants is our heart. If you read actually right after that, in verse 31, Mm -hmm. he then began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and after three days rise again. He spoke plainly about this, 
And Peter took him aside, the very one who just met the Messiah, took him aside and rebuked him. But Jesus turned back and looked at the disciples. So he turns back and looks at the other 11 and says, Get behind me, Satan. You know, you do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. That's next week's class. I think you're completely right, though, that they were not... They were not ready to actually go out because they would have been teaching Mm -hmm. Jesus as a conquering hero, not as the suffering. And then then even the kick in the head, even after the resurrection, at the time of Christ's ascension, they say, Jesus, are you now at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? I think they were still waiting. And it's only after Pentecost that I think they finally get the the message of, of, of what it's all about. I think, too, if, the, if they had gone out, if they had gotten, if they had gone and told everybody at this point that Jesus was the Messiah, blah, 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 um, look how it affected the disciples when Jesus was killed. Um, there goes, you know, how would they ever get those people back? Back again. Back. Um, you know, they needed to have the whole picture, and, and they don't it wasn't check. time yet. And they yeah, weren't. Maybe and we're going to see, and this is what we are going to see next week, um, that Peter makes that marvelous confession, but he and the disciples still do not understand what kind of Messiah he came to be that I came to give my life as a ransom for me. And next week we're going to see there are three occasions where Jesus tells the disciples what's going to be awaiting them in Jerusalem and they get it all mixed up and Jesus has to correct them. And then he tells them again what's awaiting them in Jerusalem. He gets it all mixed up and he has to correct them. He does it a third time, too. We're going to look at those three instances. Um, And again, it was real important, I believe, that I'm going to say we and eventually the disciples understand um, who Jesus, who died on the cross. That it was just a mere man to die on the cross. That would have done the world as much good as me dying on the cross. It had to be God dying on the cross for the sins of the world. And I think that needs to be made very, very clear to the people of Jesus' day. And they need to understand that. And we have the benefit of, again, being able to look back on things. Okay, any um, just thoughts next week? Yes. I keep wondering if even though we have the benefit of looking back at all of this information, we still don't get it. Uh, do our sins indicate that we don't get it? Or something like that. That, I mean, I think we recognize, but do we really acknowledge or recognize the power? Do our sins indicate, do my sins say to me, Joan, do you really believe he's going to forgive you? I and mean, I'm thinking of Pastor Sermon. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, I, and I'm thinking, is Jesus' ministry still going on? Yeah, we're, we are his hands and his feet and his voice. And what, you know, are we going to get it the second coming? Or I, I don't know. Well, I think that's the, you know, 
that God is a gracious God and God is a merciful God. Um, God is a God of grace where we receive things from God that we don't deserve. And he is a God of mercy where we don't receive from him what we do deserve. It's, I mean, that's the God who pictures himself in you know, well, we still have an awful lot of questions oh, about sure. okay. about all the bad things. That why did if God is a good God? Why does this horrible sure. stuff happen to these good people? And so, uh, lots of questions. We still, you know, we we go back and forth. I think, like the disciples sure. did. All right. Um, next week, I Pastor Keenan was supposed to teach. He's preaching. No. He said he couldn't do both. <laughs> Believe it or not. So um, I'm going to be, I, I, I will be teaching next week um, again. And we, we're going to be looking at what takes place after Peter's marvelous confession and then the misunderstanding of the disciples as they, as they um, approach Jerusalem. Let's close down with prayer. Be with us, Lord, this week as we rejoice in the forgiveness which you have just reassured us of in your holy scriptures. You call us to repent, but when we repent, the response we get from you is a word of absolution and forgiveness. We claim that as ours, and we rejoice in your grace and in your mercy towards us. We pray this in our Savior's name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the King of Glory Church Education Podcast. Our mission is to connect to God and His people, grow in faith and love, and live through service and sharing. Visit us on the web at kogva.org. 